Once in a while, the powers that be in the Alpine Church asked me to preach a sermon. Back in July, they asked me to address the issue of sin, which I did. And I, at the end, I gave you some suggestions on how we could avoid sin. I said, uh, first of all, we need to be born again. That's the first answer to how to avoid sin. We need to be born again. We need to have Jesus on the inside. We need to put him in the driver's seat in our lives. That's number one. Number two, when we see temptation coming, we need to get out of the way. The sooner, the better. Paul wrote in Corinthians, he told us if you face temptation, that God has provided a way of escape, a way to get out, an exit. So when you see temptation coming, you immediately look for the exit sign and zip out of there. That's number two. Number three was, you need to fear God. Okay? Uh, that was the third one. And that basically, that's because God's holy. And uh, we're not. <laughs> he calls us to holiness. And he tells us that we're accountable to him. So we need to have the fear of God. So those three things were the answers that I left you with. But today they asked me to go one step farther. I'm to deal with the flesh. <laughs> Do you see a pattern here? Somebody up there thinks that I have a doctorate in evil or something, I don't know. But here we are. Today we're gonna to deal with the flesh. And uh, let's see, can we? There you have, that's the series that we're in. You see, we're in a series on spiritual warfare. This is the third in the series. Uh, it's on the flesh. But uh, we need to realize that uh, <laughs> this is only sermon number three. The last week we had sermon on the world, okay? The big idea for this particular sermon is spiritual warfare is not just external, but Christians battle daily with the inner power of the flesh. Sounds like title of an R-rated movie. I don't know. But the purpose of our sermon today is, first of all, to know what the flesh is and to know what it's not and its role in the Christian experience. Secondly, to feel optimistic and hopeful about consistently winning the battle of the flesh. Thirdly, to choose by God's spirit and power to say no to the desires of the flesh and yes to God. In this part of our series, we're talking about the regular everyday stuff that you might not recognize as spiritual warfare, but it is. Last week, we talked about the world. And how did we define the world last week? Do you remember? Does anybody remember what the world stood for? Okay. Let me, let me remind you. Um, 
It's one of the three enemies of God. The definition of the world that we gave last week was, it is the ways that culture and society oppose God. Often Christians have assumed, if I can just get away from the influence of the world, I can live for God. Maybe I'll join a commune or get into a, a monastic order or something. But if I just get away from the world, I could live for God. But today we're gonna to see wherever you go, you take the spiritual battle with you. So today, today we're going to speak about the flesh, a major factor at work inside of us. Now, don't get me wrong, God made our bodies. We're created by God. We're not saying that the body is bad, but often our body is a vehicle of sin. The desires of sin are often expressed through the body, but the flesh is more than that, okay? Um, that's why various uh, terms in the Bible or verses in the Bible will refer to the sinful nature. That's essentially the same thing. So today, I'll interchangeably use those two terms, sinful nature and flesh. Okay, so don't get confused by that. Okay, um, let's define and describe what flesh really is. The flesh is, or the sin of nature, is a compulsive inner force within each individual which is in opposition and rebellion against God. There you have it. Now, if you want to condense it down to just a few words, it is wrong inner desires. Simple as that. Amazingly, Paul uses the term over 90 times, the word for flesh. 90 times, or more than 90 times. Some of the times he's just simply talking about our physical body. Some of the times he's talking about our physical body in contrast to our soul or our spirit. But most often, He's talking about the force within us that pushes us towards sin. It is the fallen nature inherited by all human beings on the heels of Adam and Eve's sin. Now, there are three things that I want you to understand about the flesh. Number one, it's hostile to God. In fact, Romans 8, 7, and 8 says, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. That verse is simply saying there's always a tendency within each of us to walk away from God, to disregard God, to put ourselves above God. It goes back to the sermon on sin. It's basically all about me first, me first. That's the essence of sin. That's the essence of the flesh, me first. Now, Galatians 5.17 says this, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. The spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. 
so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So you can see the nature of the conflict. It's relatively simple. Flesh wants to do evil. Spirit wants to honor God. That's why there's a war. In Galatians uh, 7 and 8, chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Condensed, it basically is saying you reap what you sow. Okay? You reap what you sow. Now, Christians can open the door to spiritual attack by dabbling in sin and, and living in unrepentance. Now, you have to think back. The last two sermons, we talked a lot about footholds and strongholds. Do you remember that? The footholds were the offense. Yesterday, we started the college football season. You may have watched a few dozen hours of football yesterday. And uh, that may be why you're sleepy today. I don't know. But the fact is, it's all about offense and defense. A foothold is the offense. It's the enemies of our soul trying to get into, get it, get it a step into our lives to gain some kind of superiority. So you think of footholds as the offense. You think of strongholds as the defense. Once, once certain territory is taken, taken, the enemies of our soul will build a stronghold, a fortification, if you will, from which they can launch attacks. That's the defense. So we talked in the last couple of weeks about footholds and strongholds. And footholds, when it comes to the flesh, happen when we give in to sinful desires. We make some space for the flesh to operate. We make some space for it to have its way. By doing that, we're allowing a spiritual foothold, which can eventually become a stronghold. Now let's take a look at some of the footholds and strongholds that the flesh can produce. Okay, in, uh, in Galatians 5, 19 through 20, let me just give you uh, some of those. I'll try to get that verse up here. Okay, Galatians, well, I've lost it. <laughs> All right, Galatians 5, 19 and 21 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now, he's going to give you a list. Okay? He's going to give you a list of the, some of the results, some of the ramifications of the flesh getting a foothold. He's going to give you this list. He starts off with sexual immorality. Okay? Let me just explain how what that is in light of our culture today. There's a whole lot of talk about that. But sexual immorality is relatively simple to understand. The Bible contains certain admonitions, okay, 
about our sensuality. That is what we are to do. In fact, the Bible gives us a whole uh, book that describes in great detail the sensual relationship of a husband and wife. It's called the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. The whole book is given over to the admonitions with regard to human sensuality. It's one of the most uh, wonderful writings in, in human literature. But the rest of the Bible contains other admonitions. But the Bible also contains that which is considered a prohibition, that which we are not to do. And it gives us a list, there are about a half a dozen. And, and the title given to that list of prohibitions in scripture is sexual immorality. So when you come across that phrase, and you will because Jesus used that phrase. When you come across that phrase, sexual immorality, he's simply talking about those things clearly presented in scripture that are prohibited, okay? So let's go back to the list. When you follow, this is in Galatians 5, 19 and 21, if you could go to that. Um, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. And let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, okay? So here are some, those are some of the ramifications or results of living by the flesh. All right, now, let's go uh, to uh, the, the sinful nature. The flesh or the sinful nature is an inner force within each individual which is in opposition against God. I've lost it again. <laughs> All right. Uh, to condense that, basically, uh, the flesh is wrong inner desires. Okay? And Paul, as I said, uses this term over 90 times. That's the bad news. We need to take it seriously, but thankfully, that's not the end of the story. Okay? Um, let's go back. trying to get to this. God has set each believer free from the sins of the past, present and future. We win the war by consciously choosing to believe the gospel again and walk by the Spirit. Now, I know we don't always feel free from the sinful nature. The sinful nature can be pretty powerful you probably experienced what Paul himself said and what he went through in Romans 7, verse 22 to 25. Now listen to this. This is the Apostle Paul. And this is the struggle he had with the flesh. It's real. He said, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that's still within me. 
oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. The point is, Paul knew all about the battle with the flesh. Fortunately, we get just beyond that, you get Romans 8.1. And he says this, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The good news is we belong to Jesus if we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior. There is life-giving power at work in us. We are free. Now you may still choose to obey the sinful nature, but here's the key, you don't have to anymore. The chains are broken, rompe las cadenas. Okay, the sins, the chains are broken. You can choose to live in victory over the flesh. Now, the first key to this victory is the gospel. The gospel is not just how you came to Jesus to be saved, that is true, but it is also it, the gospel is how we live in relationship with God on an ongoing basis. It's about returning to Jesus every day in faith. Okay? It's, uh, the need is for us to recognize the need we have and the dependence we have on Jesus and to cast ourselves on God's provision. Now, the second key to victory is to walk by the Spirit. Now, listen to uh, Galatians chapter 5 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Literally, that last phrase is, let's keep in step with the Spirit. It's all about cadence. Now, a lot of people in this room have done a lot of marching. We live in a military community. And we've marched and marched and marched. We've walked down the field, up the field, around the field. When I was a, a young person, we learned to march. And when it was wintertime, we marched inside a big gymnasium. But we were always marching. You get that? And what you're doing when you're marching is you are walking in cadence. Okay, left, right. We're walking in cadence. That's exactly what he's saying here. We're keeping in step with the Spirit if we want victory. Cadence is marching. It's the second key to victory. Keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, that, that's the second one. That's why it's so important to be in prayer and Bible study on a regular basis. That helps us keep in step with the cadence of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go to the third the third help, the third step in winning the victory. It's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Okay, now, 
Here's, a, here, here's what I want you to grasp. Let's put these two things together. Now, on the left, you're going to see a list of those results that we read of the flesh. See it? You had all that list. But on the right, you have the antidote. <laughs> you have the cure. If you read the left-hand list, you're going to see these things listed that are the result of the flesh. But watch what happens. On the right, you have the antidote. You have the cure. Okay? Let me give you an example. We just talked about sexual immorality. But on the right side, we have, we have self-control. That's the antidote. On the left, you have impurity, lustful pleasures. On the right, you have goodness. That's the antidote. You have quarreling, which is the result of the flesh. And you have dissension and division. On the right, you have peace. That's the antidote. You have envy on the left side. You have kindness as the antidote. With, here you have anger on the left, and on the right you have patience. You see how it works? You do have a problem. That's the flesh. But we have an answer. We have a cure, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, some years ago, when we lived in Texas, uh, I was in, in our family room. And uh, there was this huge headache that came on. My head just pounded. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was so bad I had to lay down. We were, I was in the family room, and I laid down on the couch, and I got some aspirin, took some aspirin, and I tried all kinds of things. I couldn't get rid of it. And it came in waves. It wasn't just one constant thing. It was a wave of serious pain, and it would, it would back off a little bit. Then another wave. And this went on for quite a while, and it, oh, finally it subsided. But I was concerned about it. So the next time I went to the doctor, I, I asked the nurse. I said, listen, here's what happened. And I described what happened about the headache. And she said, that sounds like a thunderclap headache. And I remembered that. We moved to Utah. And a couple years ago, I was in family room. I don't know what it is about family rooms. <laughs> But anyhow, the, uh, another one of these headaches came. Whoa! I mean, it just knocked you off your feet. And then it would come in waves. And I tried aspirin. thought, take aspirin, take aspirin. And then I tried compresses, you know. <laughs> put those compresses on. You try cold, you try hot, you try anything. But anyhow, you put a compress on your head. And eventually it subsided. But I was concerned. And then... About a year later, I got a third spell. And this was worse than the first two. I mean, the, the pain was just overwhelming. It literally knocked me off my feet. I couldn't hardly speak. Eyes couldn't hardly see. But I laid there and nothing worked that I'd tried before. So I said to my wife, take me to the ER. I want to go to the ER. And so we got in the car. That wasn't easy. And we drove to the ER down the road here. And uh, I got out there at the, gate, the, the door, and it was an electric door and it opened, so that was good. <laughs> I could at least get in. So 
I went in, and by the time my knees were just shaking, the pain was that intense. I could barely talk. And I walked in, and I just started to go down, and I was holding my head, and two nurses came running over and said, what's wrong, what's wrong? All I could say was, thunderclap, thunderclap. Like, what? But that's all I could get out. So they put me on a gurney and rolled me into the ER room, and uh, they started uh, doing all kinds of things. I was just trying to keep from screaming. That's how intense the, the pain was. And uh, then the doctor comes in. Well, what's the doctor do? He's asking questions. <laughs> like, I want to talk? <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> I can barely get a word out. But anyhow, he asked me all these questions. He said, finally, he says, we're going to do a scan, do a brain scan. Well, we have to put this juice in your arm here for the brain scan. So they stuck an IV in, and they started pumping this chemical into my body, prepping me for this brain scan. And uh, uh, all of a sudden, the blood vessel exploded. And all these chemicals were going all over the place. And I looked down, it looked like a bullet hole in my arm. And so my, my blood vessel had, had exploded. So they took a needle and put it in the other arm, and ran me off to have a test. And uh, then they brought me back, and the doctor explained that uh, we're going to get you to see your family physician as soon as possible. And uh, in the meantime, we're giving you a painkiller. It was a severe painkiller. I mean, it, it was like a zombie, <laughs> you know. And all, but it didn't take away the pain. It took about everything away. But uh, it did take away the pain. And then they gave me a little bottle of medication, said, now, if this happens again, make sure to take one of these right away. All right. I can't imagine what that was. But anyhow, they got me to see my family physician. And he ran tests. So we sat down, and he had a whole desk full of the, the paperwork from the ER and a whole bunch of paperwork that he had done, and he looked at it, and he says, oh, my. He said, I can't believe this. I said, what's wrong? He says, your blood pressure is through the roof. Oh, we have to get this down, and we have to get it down now because it's so high. And he says, I think that's what's causing these, these headaches is you, you're high, you have high blood pressure, and it's way, way out of whack. And it turned out it was very high. In fact, it was so high that I later found out from the eye doctor that the blood vein in my left eye had exploded. And it had torn up the retina. And it, 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 that's why I went to the eye doctor, I couldn't see much out of my left eye. And, but the high blood pressure had exploded the blood vein in my eye. And I'm still being treated for that. As far as the hole in my arm, it got infected. And uh, it took about two months before I got some relief from that. But the doctor said, we're going to get your blood pressure down to normal. We have to. And so he took measures and gave me medication and stuff to get the blood pressure back down. And I haven't had any problems since. But here's what, what I'm saying. There was a malady. Didn't know what it was. So there had to be a diagnosis. And from the diagnosis, we could come up with an antidote. 
but that's what's happening here. On the left, you have the malady, what the flesh has caused. It's listed there for you. And those are just some of the examples. But the diagnosis says that the problem is the flesh. And the antidote, praise God, is the fruit of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. Okay? So that's the antidote to the problem of the flesh. So the answer is in Galatians, the next verse, it's in Galatians 5:24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature or flesh to the cross and crucified them there. So it's basically saying we can have victory in Jesus. That's basically the source of the antidote. There is victory in Jesus. And when I realized, as I looked at these two passages together, and I saw the problem, and I saw the cure, I realized there is victory in Jesus. I, I seem to recall that there's a hymn to that effect. Okay? You may have known that was coming. But anyhow, there is. There is a hymn written some years ago. This hymn has blessed millions of people over the decades and given them relief from whatever malady they had. I'm going to read you the lyrics. I want you to listen closely because herein we can have the victory over the enemy of God, the flesh. It goes like this. I heard an old, old story, how a savior came from glory how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning. And then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Second verse. I heard about the healing, which I really needed, of his cleansing power revealing how he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow, somehow, Jesus came and brought the victory. Then the third verse. Now this one pertains to uh, me at my stage of the game, <laughs> okay? So this one's pretty personal. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angel singing and the old redemption story. And somehow, somehow, some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, 
Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me, and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Amen. Now today, today is also Communion Sunday. Okay? And it's the first Sunday of the month, so we're going to take Communion. But let me tell you, Communion is all about the victory that we have in Jesus. So, this, this song, the lyrics to the song, are going to be our introduction to communion. Now, if you need the elements, I want you to raise your hand. They'll bring you the elements. Okay? Just raise your hand and they'll, they'll pass those out. But I want you to take those elements. And I'm going to use that, that hymn as an introduction to communion because communion is all about the victory that we have in Jesus. All right? So I want you to take those elements and take the bread. Okay? And when Jesus did this, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of me and feed on me in your heart with thanksgiving. Let's partake. Then Jesus took a cup. The cup represented, the, the elements in the cup represented the blood of Jesus Christ, which the Bible says the blood, life is in the blood. So basically what's in the cup represents the life of Jesus Christ. And as you partake of the cup, I want you to remember you're symbolizing Jesus coming in and flowing throughout your whole life. He takes up residence in you. So let's partake of the, of the cup. Now let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus. We know, Lord, that we have enemies. Last week we talked about the world. This week we talked about the flesh. Next week there's going to be another one. We do have enemies, but we can have victory in Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you, and let's worship together in song.